here we go. Skeleton crew unite! <laughs> oh, man. Wonder Twin Powers activate, Jason, because it's just the two of us. Let's fucking go. Yeah, let's do it. Same birthdays, same energy, same bat time, same bat cave, same bat bad sports takes. Same amount of zero fucks given. Uh, welcome, nudies, to another exciting edition of the Sporting Nudes. Um, if you haven't gathered, there's only two of us today. Uh, Jason, sitting across from the digital table for me, and myself, uh, your fearless director of whatever the fuck we do here, uh, Joe. Uh, uh, we're here, uh, Sands, Kyle, and Grayson. Uh, Kyle's visiting family for the holidays, so good for him that people care about him. And uh, Grayson has a daughter who cares about him, so I guess... I guess I guess I care about you, Jason. I'm glad to, glad to have you here. I care about you too. Yes, oh, the excellent. two with zero responsibilities and families that live close. <laughs> My family lives 15 minutes away, but yes, yes, yes. You know what? It's the spirit. It's it's the emotional distance, right? That sometimes yes. gets you. But um, anyway, speaking of emotional distance, uh, the Browns uh, and the Steelers elicited two very different emotions this week. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Brownstown is going wacko for Flacco, man. Joe jumping Joe Flacco led the Brownies to victory. And uh, the Steelers, do they even have a fucking quarterback on that roster? The fine quarterback. Mm, mm, that's a very, very good call out that's there. That's a better um, question is we have to define what a quarterback is because by the letter of the law and by uh, what I believe are league minimums for positions per roster uh i believe the steelers do in fact have uh quarterbacks um the question is do they have quarterbacks that can play um the majority of the season that answer has been no and now the one that at some level mr pickett who to his credit didn't really give the ball up a lot um granted when you're not taking any risks to move the <laughs> offense down the field Pretty easy to do. Um, but uh, Mitchie, Mitchburg, boy, Mitchburg's an experience. Mitchburg is an experience. An experience. The pride of Mentor, Ohio. Yes, the pride of Mentor, Ohio. I, um, I, I will admit, um, I, last week, watched that entire game <clears throat> on Thursday. Um knowing full well uh, that there was in-season tournament going on uh, and reading my phone um, for texts uh, in our group chat about how well LeBron was doing. And I stayed put. Uh, I stayed and watched this game. Now, most people might you know, point that out as uh, true fandom, right? If you stay with your team when they do well, um, you have to stay with your team when you're doing poorly. And you have to you know, sit there and watch and, you know, take the wins and losses as they come. I, I, I would like to say that in this group chat, Kyle called out that he was sitting next to a Steelers fan uh, who complained. And I quote, could you imagine being a Steelers season ticket holder and watching them lose to the two and 10 Patriots? Um, Kyle, Kyle almost lost his mind because, you know, as as a Browns fan, um, hearing anyone let alone a Steelers fan complain about losing seasons is super depressing. And I just want to add that that is what triggered Jason to absolutely just the entire night, the entire sports conversation 
his world was how bad Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers were, yep. even though all of us were very enthusiastically praising LeBron James' godlike performance at 39 years old uh, in the in-season NBA. And you just you couldn't get beyond Mitch Trubisky's pitiful 190 yards and just. Oh, I'm sorry. The fourth and two where he just decided to chuck the ball like Trevor Bauer throwing from fucking the pitching mound yeah. into the center field. Just yeah. yeeted that thing down. I don't know if that was like a, like anymore, a hot but. call at the fucking offensive line, like at when they lined up. But like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hey, I, so, hey, you guys were claiming for Matt Canada to get fired. Now, that is not a Matt Canada play. I no, might add. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good point. Good point. No, what I did realize, though, is. um my time is valuable, and the next time a superstar, a legend of another sport is doing something special, uh, if my team looks like absolute hot trash and complete garbage, uh, I'm, switching the, I'm switching to TV. I'm switching to TV. And I don't think that makes me a bad fan, um, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Listen, uh, as as a diehard Browns fan, I have absolutely had those moments on a Sunday at I don't know, let's say about one twenty, right? You know, we're not talking deep into the game where I realize oh, I've got yard work to do. I have to go. I have to go do something with my life, or yeah. maybe my own depression has me beaten down. I don't need the Browns adding on top of it, and I'm just going to do something positive for myself and just press the power button and walk away. We all have those moments. Um, What's insane is that your team is still seven and six. I know. So you have a chance to still have a winning record. Um, But after what you've seen the past couple of weeks, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm asking, do you think you lose out and finish with only seven wins? That requires four straight more losses, by the way. Yeah. You know what? I think I, so here's why I say that there is a chance. If you, if you look at it, what pretty weird stat? They're the seventh worst in the league at points per game at sixteen point two. They're the seventh best at giving up points per game, but it's at nineteen. So you know when when you're only scoring nineteen point or sixteen points a game, but only giving up nineteen points per game. What's wild is like if you look at some of the defenses. 49ers, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys uh, are up there in the top four. But then fifth and sixth are the Vikings and the Bills. So, like, those, I, I'll, I'm going to separate the Bills for a second because I don't know what the hell is going on with the Bills, the amount of talent they have. You're on, you're on mute, Jim. Oh, my God. Rookie yep. move there. That, you're, yep. that, the Bills are by far the most frustratingly inconsistent yeah. team because on paper, they're better. Yeah. You know yeah. they're better based on previous performances. And when they're on, they're on. But when they're off, they ch- no one looks happy in Buffalo. And I know yeah. a lot of yeah. that's because their expectations are are touching the ceiling and they're they're barely treading water right now. I, they were six and six going into this weekend. And man, you have to if you uh, I'm going to go inside tangent on Buffalo here. If you're a fan of the Bills and I I previewing our you know ending segment here we're going to be talking about teams we root for that aren't our favorite teams i might have a soft spot for the buffalo bills and you have to be looking at this as a potentially lost season in a league where you can't have lost seasons yeah. I, it's, it's the way i felt about the browns right. before 
Joe Flacco came in, swooped in in his former Raven wings and just flew in and saved the day by throwing for over 300 yards. A little preview to how I feel about Joe this week uh, after I didn't want him for a while. So I'm doing a 180. But man, yeah, the, the, the inconsistency there. And, and what's crazy is, if anything, we're talking about inconsistency with the Bills. The Steelers have been consistent and they found a way to win. They've been consistently scoring, you said, 19 points and just barely keeping the other 16. team from scoring more. Oh, I'm sorry, they, 16. So they score 16, they give up 19.2. Oh, I, I apologize. I had those numbers but, slipped in the but, in my head. But what's strange about that is that, so uh, that's why I think, um, also, weird stat, as I'm looking at it, the Vikings somehow, with their record, actually give up less points than they score. <laughs> so. <laughs> Take that for what you will. Wow. Um, I think a 3-0 game has a lot to do with those averages. Um, but in in any event, um, it's kind of like what I've been saying about the Steelers all year is is that, uh, I mean, to your guys' point, like you say, they always find a way. And, and, and they have, you know, when you look at it, they're fourth in the league in turnover differential. Um, they don't have the most turnovers, but I mean that's what matters, right? Is that they're they're not turning the ball over, um, but yet they are getting turnovers. Um, but that's uh, that's why I said, f- you know, I felt like it was fool's gold all year, um, because when you look at their turnover differential at ten, um, that's that. It's it's just so misleading because they get the turnovers, but. Um, I don't know. It's just it's one of those for comparison, just for everyone listening. What's crazy about that is the Steelers are plus 10 and the Browns, which have a much, much better defense, are negative seven. Yeah. Yeah. And right. and I think that really comes down to total defensive yards. Right. The Browns still give up, have given up the least amount of yards and are still top in the league and giving up the least amount of yards per game. Whereas the Steelers, they've improved a couple um, couple positions over the last couple of weeks. but. They've given up over a thousand yards more of total offense than the Browns have this year, and they give up about eighty plus yards per game more uh, than yeah. the Browns do. It, right? It's crazy. So, the Browns have given up thirty four hundred, and then the Steelers are sitting down, all the way down uh, at forty four eighty three. So yeah, almost exactly a thousand yards. It's it, 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 it which is crazy. But but the Steelers have more turnovers. Part of that is the the style of defense they play. The other yeah, part of it is the Browns have given more turnovers up. Right. So that differential is obviously going to go down when you turn the ball over more. Um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that to your point earlier about Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett didn't turn over the ball. He played right. very safe football. Matt Canada played very safe football. And right. what I wonder now a little bit is as the season goes, we're going to see what happens at the end of the year. But are our Steelers fans going to retroactively say, you know what? Matt Canada did the style of offense that this team needed to win football games. And that was control the pace, control the ball, control the outcome. And yeah. now, now to be fair, I don't think they've played a very drastically different style of football yeah, since Matt Canada's left. The big difference is Kenny Pickett isn't there, and Mitch Trubisky's thrown 80 yards on a four and two, with the game on the line. So, yeah, and I think if you look at if you look at Pickett's first game, um, without uh, Canada, I think part of that was the team had something to prove. When there's a change, sometimes. You know, you walk into a game with a load of hype, and and also you're you're you know playing a team in the Bengals that really, who knows what the hell they are, right? Like it's kind of the story of the AFC North if you separate 
well, maybe not the whole AFC North because I think we know what the Ravens are, right? But when Very you look good at is what they are. When you look at the Browns, you look at the Bengals, you look at the Steelers, you just don't know what the hell you're like. What do you like? You don't know what you're getting every week outside of you know the Steelers' offense is going to be inept. You know the Browns' defense is going to be incredible. We're going to stand in their heads, and with the exception of a couple bad games in the West Coast, like they've done theoretically well. Not theoretically. I mean, it's not they're literally league leaders. So they've done incredible all year, right? So yeah, I mean, do they lose four in a row? It's definitely possible. Um, I don't feel good about this week against the Colts. Uh, mostly yeah. because you, they've, got, they've got a tough schedule: Colts, Bengals, Seahawks, and Ravens. And the Ravens is going to be a tough game. The yeah. benefit there is that are they resting? Are they playing so, a little? You know, because they're yeah. they're locked in. Right. The Bengals have not been an easy. Everyone thought they'd be a pushover after Joe Burrow. They've not been an easy out. They've been fighting every game. They got hot. They got started to get hot at the right time and unfortunately oh. lost Joe for the season. And now they've stayed relatively competitive there. I mean, are they good? No, but they're competitive. competitive and it's yeah. kind of how I feel about the Colts. The Colts could have just handed in after Anthony Richardson's injury. And Gardner Minshew's done a good job of keeping that team in football games. Their defense has played fairly well uh, this back half of the season. So they're those. I think you look at the Colts, Bengals and the Seahawks and say those are games where can you get away with scoring 16 points and winning? And the answer is probably not. Unless your defense holds into less. Only against the Bengals, I think, would be the only one of those first three that we talk about where they might have that chance to hold that defense, to, that offense to less points. Because Jake Browning had one good week. He, I think he showed what he was the, pre, the week beforehand. Well, I um, agree. But, but uh, you know, I, look, in, I the Colts in Indy is going to be tough, um, especially because even with Gardner Minshew, the Colts seem to have a much better offensive flow. Um in Seattle is going to be whew, really, really rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the if this if the pace continues where it's at, um, the Ravens have a chance to be resting a lot of guys in that last game of the year. Oh, absolutely. Um, and if, if they're if they're not, I'd be surprised. Yeah, and here's what I'll say: um, it will depend on how much that team likes Mike Tomlin. Because if they're going into that final game at 500 and the Ravens are resting people, if they really like Mike Tomlin from a team standpoint, right? If the team is bought in on Tomlin, the team wants Tomlin to succeed, they're going to do everything in their power to win that game. Um, but 8-7 and seven will not be good enough to make the playoffs. And 8-7 and seven has... It's going to be between Cincinnati and, I, I think, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh for who's, who's bottom of the... Uh, the AFC North and that last game might det- well. We we'll have to see what happens with the, the Bengals. The yeah, the, coming weeks, but well, and and so uh, and then flip over the Browns a little bit. Their back half schedule is this is a schedule that's very winnable. Um, yeah, I yeah. now I now I don't. They've got four games left. I do not think they go four and zero. I think I'm going to be honest. Anyone who thinks you who thinks they can go four and zero, I'm afraid. Anyone who thinks they will go four and zero, I think is kidding yourself. Joe Flacco looked very good. Uh, he looked like he did not look like a guy who'd been sitting on his couch for the past, you know, 10 games. Right. He, it looked like a guy who was who knew how to handle an NFL offense, who knew what it takes to win a football game. And he played a very. 
significantly above average game to a good game. He really did over 300 yards, three touchdowns, um, one interception, and the offense looked comfortable around him. What is going to be very difficult, they've lost now multiple tackles. Uh, Jed, Jed, Jed Wills is out for the season. Yeah, Both their tackles season, right? are going to be backups, backups guys yep. right now. That's very, very rough. Um, that O-line has held together very well for being as battered as it is. They're playing with what? They're playing with their backup left and right tackle, their backup center, right guard. I, I, I got three of their five starting offensive linemen are not going to be starting for him for a while. That's yeah. very, very difficult. Um, but he came in there and done it. The running game is continuing to be consistent. Jerome Ford has done everything he can to fill the hole that Nick Chubb left. And I think he's in it admirably. And Kareem Hunt, another guy coming off the street, his. His filled a role. Has he been perfect? No, but he is coming here. And I love his attitude. He's he wants to be here. He wants to play for Cleveland. He wants to win here. He's excited to be given another opportunity with this team. And those two guys just do what they have to do. They run the ball well. They run well together. They're helping this be easier for Joe Flacco. And I mean, he came yeah. in there and, and looked very good. The defense has had some injuries at the wrong time, but uh, MJ Emerson had a coming up party, two interceptions. I get the Jags are are a little. They lost Christian Kirk. They're a little, a uh, little topsy turvy right now. But that's a decent banged football team. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 banged up. Banged but so, that's a good football team. And Trevor Lawrence, um, Trevor Lawrence didn't look like, look like a guy who probably shouldn't have been playing that game. Um, but you're in the home stretch. You're you're fighting for playoff spots. You're fighting for positioning. They they're obviously not gonna not gonna hold them out. Um, but the Browns defense did what the Browns defense has been doing all year. They found a way to hold a team pretty tight. Um, and they came out with the victory, but yep. I think you look at their schedule, the bears, the Texans, the jets, and the Bengals. I, there's Boy, a lot. There's an L in there somewhere. I just I, had a realization that I'm on a bye week of fantasy this week. And then the week we come back, Nico Collins and CJ Stroud play the Browns. <laughs> God damn well, it. Well, so that's going to go to my point is I think, I think before last week, everyone would have pointed to the Texans and say, that's your L that's a game where, the Texans have been put playing very good offense, but they're a poor defensive team. And all overall on paper, they're just they just have a lot of holes. But CJ Stroud, Nico Collins with Tank Dell before he got injured, they were leading the charge with that passing offense, and they were finding a way to sneak away some victories every now and then, or put up really good stats in the loss. Yeah. And right. I thought that's a game where your defense just can't quite hold it and your offense can't live up to the expectations they need. And you walk away with like a 21, 20, 21, 17 loss or something. Right? But tank Dell's out. The Texans looked very bad last week. They looked like the normal, like they looked the Texans you think they were going to be with a rookie quarterback, which is yeah. going to happen no matter how good CJ Stroud well, is. And especially against the Browns, the uh, Jets defense. I mean, it is as poor as the Jets have have been um, their defenses. They still got a lot of def good defensive players. Yeah, I mean they're a top five defense in the league. Yeah. Um, so like you know they they have they have a confusing defense. It's it's like you see what Beyond they've done confusing. against. Yeah, they've seen what they've done with a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. Um, and I kind of knew that going in. Like you, you look at what they they did at Mahomes, and you, and you look at um now. Granted, Josh Allen's been. You know, I don't know if he thinks that he's got to be he's so talented. It's almost like he's playing so hard that, um, you know, anything looks like a good opportunity for him, uh, even when he should pull the ball down and maybe just throw it away and live to fight another day. But it, it, you see what they've done to good quarterbacks all year. Like you kind of knew that that's what he was going to do to 
um, uh, um, brain, uh, CJ Stroud, uh, right? And um, you know, when you look at the Browns playing the Jets, like, I'm not, not to say that you know the Jets are gonna you know, run away with the game or, or, or I'm sorry, not to say the Jets are going to get completely blown out or all that, but I think the difference with a veteran quarterback like Flacco is like, what does CJ Stroud and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen all have in common? Wildly explosive, wildly athletic. They can drop the ball in into the tightest of margins. And it's almost like the Jets use that to their um, advantage when they're playing these teams. The difference with Flacco is he's older, he's more mature, and he's, um, I don't want to say game manager, but he's more of a game manager than a game breaker. Whereas Mahomes and Stroud has, in his early career, shown he's a game, game breaker, and Josh Allen have shown they're game breakers. Their explosiveness and their talent has the ability to create plays and blow plays up. And the Jets defense is so disciplined that they can stop that. Whereas the Browns just have an overall, maybe it's not the best offense in the league. So don't take me wrong. And and as I'm saying, like they're the best offense, but they're so disciplined. Um, And Stefanski, you can bitch about his calls. He makes some questions. He does still does some questionable (laughs) shit every weekend. And I know that, but what I'm saying is if you had a rookie quarterback, and DTR in there, I think that's a loss. Oh, I, I well, yeah, I would, I would think you're, I, I overall agree with you. Um, Brooklyn and Stefanski. So I, I overall am a giant. I'm a very big Stefanski fan overall. Um, I think if anything, what their Browns eight and five record, what that turnaround from last year shows, and how they've been able to manage and win. They've won a football game with four different quarterbacks. Yeah. I think what that tells you is how good of a coach he is, how good of a head coach he is, right? Um, are there every now and then times I just am like, why did you call that play? Absolutely. Everyone feels that way. I don't know the game plan. I don't know what the call should have been or was supposed to be sometimes. So a- absolutely, yeah, everyone feels that way. But um, my God, what, I, what I'm beginning to appreciate more about Kevin Stefanski, take Kevin Stefanski, put him on the Bills. Put him in Kansas City, put him in even Jacksonville, right, with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's talked about as a fantastic coach. Sure. I think yeah. he's talked about is a, you know, now he's not, he's not Andy Reid. But is he Sean McDermott? Is he Doug Peterson? I think he's on that level. I just think that when you hear about great coaching, it's always tied typically with a with a, either a great quarterback or a great offensive mind that can run their system. And Kevin Stefanski's had to have my God, I don't even know how many starting quarterbacks he's had off the top of my head, but it's it's double digit. I want to say I got to think it, if it's not that double digit, it's really close. Uh, I could try and rattle him off, but I'm not going to. I don't know. No, no, let me say he's had Baker, Jacoby. Uh, PJ, uh, <laughs> PJ, Jim Brown Walker. Yep. Uh, Joe Paul Flacco, Jim Brown Walker. Paul Brown Walker. Uh, DTR, Joe Flacco, uh, Nick, uh, Deshaun Nick Watson. <laughs> For a game. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's had, he's had at least eight. I want to say 10. Yeah, I have Nick to go. I, oh, uh, I think he did have uh, Case Keenum. Oh, 
Case got Keenum. like so right. So you talk about a guy who he not only is he one coach of the year, but he's he's very well on track to be in the running this year. And you look at his entire track record here in Cleveland, and the guys had over ten starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and he's, I think he'd be, he'd he's, be close he's, he's great. I think he's just gonna get he's D'Amico Ryan's is gonna. Oh well, absolutely oh. win coach of the year. But but I, I see oh. what you're saying. Like no, I, I think head coach of the year is going to be residing in Mike Daniels in Miami. You think so? I I think I, the I, you just I, think, look I, at what I think the level of attention that's on that team. team. Well, sure. yeah, yeah, that's true. I was just saying, I think with the level of attention that's on that team, how out of his mind Tyreek Hill is playing, and how quick how quickly that turnaround was that Mike McDaniels did in Miami. And sure, maybe maybe there's a little bit of recency bias there, and maybe they're going to look and say, well, we don't want to – we want to find a new person, a, 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 a up-and-comer or something like that. But Mike Daniels is still an up-and-comer in my opinion. He's you know he, he's still relatively new. But if, I, if I'm the NFL, I, I, I want people's eyes on Miami because it's arguably the most fun product the NFL has right now. I, yeah. I'm trying to think of a better t- – if if there's a game on and it involves the Miami Dolphins, I'm interested, right? Yep. I can't say that for Jacksonville. I can't say it. Can you say that for the Chiefs right now? Uh, I mean, you're interested in, in Patrick Mahomes' meltdown like Kermit the Frog. Oh, or are you only yelling at the refs all the time? Yeah. Um, not, not all the time, but last game was also. Old. Yeah, it was all sides. So, oh, I listen. Here's it. As someone who I don't, I I know there's a lot of Patrick Mahomes haters out there, or they're tired of his wife or his brother. I number one, I think is the hate his wife gets is insanely stupid. Um, she supports her fucking husband, dude. What do you want? Like, yeah. I, I I don't literally don't understand it. All you macho males who fucking think she's a stupid bitch, uh, would love to have a beautiful wife that supports you in your job. So, uh, incels, sit down. I'm not talking to you there, Jay. I know I know you like to identify with the incels every hey, now and easy. then, but. <laughs> I do not. It's just because women don't like me doesn't mean I'm an incel. <laughs> um, uh, but no, but, I, I, but I, I don't know if I, maybe you're getting to this point, but it's like, of course he's allowed to be pissed off. He's allowed to be passionate. Like that's what makes him so good. Yes. Yeah. Just, just sit there and go, Oh, okay. Offsides. Like it shows how much, like if there was any, any sort of question on whether or not, he loves the game of he loves his team, not the game of football. He loves yes. his team. Like, put that video on, and then just shut up. Um, but yeah, you know, moving moving back to the Browns real quick. I think could they win out? Yes. Will they? Here's what I'll say, and this will lead us on to one of our sponsors. And this it's one v one this week, so I can I can have a, be a little bit more opinionated. Yes. Um, Here's what the Browns fans are setting. And poor Joe Flacco. I'm just throwing it out there right now because there's an article on Cleveland.com that's posted today with a first sentence. It's a very short article because it has a link to where you could buy your Joe Flacco jerseys. And the very first sentence is Joe Flacco is a somewhat of a savior to the Cleveland Browns. Now, if he goes out and loses to the Bears, this city will absolutely eviscerate Joe Flacco. And Stefanski and the Browns for not having a backup quarterback because he had one, albeit very good game. But how quickly we forget Joe Flacco beat the Browns last year in record time and was one and eight and played terrible. Now, granted, the Browns are a much better team 
a much better. I think he was one and eight as a jet starter. He might have not have only. I think he was one and four. Um, or Let one me. I will year. look that up as you continue to talk. He might have been one and eight as a total jet starter and one and three last year. But in any event, the Browns are a much better team than last year's Jets team by in literally probably every statistic. I'm not going to look that up because I don't think anyone gives a fuck enough. But boy, it's like and here's the thing. Like, I'm glad that there is hype for Flacco um, because and there should be because how he how well he played. Um, but man, that uh, really, uh, really quickly here. He started four games last year. It was one and, and three, one yep. and three. Uh, and he started one game the year prior and he was and one. So his entire Jets career, he is and four. Uh, oh no, I apologize. I apologize. No, he was 0 and 8. Yeah, yeah, he was uh he was uh yeah, 0 and 8. Uh 1 1 and 8, I apologize. But that's over that's over 3 seasons there, right? So he's 0 and 8. So, 1 and 8. Yeah, you know, look, I think the 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 bottom line is Flacco is good enough and smart enough to be able to pull off at least 3 victories. Um the question is is if he pulls out 2, is 10 wins good enough to get the wild card? Um, so should be. Should so well one on this. So I I liked what I saw from Joe Flacco. I will admit that I was not I was not on board. I was very much a you know what, especially based on how he was with the Jets. Like just give me DTR. Let's grow a rookie. Let's see what we can do with him. He's been here all year. He's been with the offense. He's learned a little bit. Um, I am now a thousand percent sold on the veteran leadership and the veteran presence that Joe Flacco can provide in the pocket. I do think that we need to temper expectations. Just because you threw for over 300 yards against the Jags doesn't mean you need to throw for 300 yards every game. I yeah, really yes. still want to see yes. a very controlled offense run the ball, consistent plays that Joe Flacco can make that are not uh, that we're, I want to be a risk averse offense. Right. I want to be a little bit of Matt Canada esque, if you will, in Ooh. minimize turnovers, because if yeah. you don't turn the ball over. You can win the ball game with two. You, if you get two touchdowns and a field goal, you're in the game 90 percent of the time with that defense. Right. So minimize your turnovers. Let your set your defense up for success by giving them not setting them up with terrible field possession against an offense. And, you know, let Joe cook when he's on. If Joe's off, conceal it, hide it with play action, run the ball, short passes. What I do love about seeing this, Elijah Moore has looked more involved and invested in the offense since Joe Flacco started than every game prior. Um, Amari Cooper coming off a little bit of banged up is still a consistent threat. Um, I, I think he's been an unsung player on this team. I, I, I say unsung. I think he's been getting his accolades. But I think when you look at the quality performance he puts in week in, week out with a myriad, a carousel of quarterbacks, he's been fantastic. David Joku had a big game last week, right? David Joku is going to have big games and he's going to have games where you throw him an eight yard flat route when there's no one's around him. And he's just going to like not catch the ball because every now and then he has one like that. But he's a big playmaking tight end. And if he came up huge for Joe Flacco last week, huge. If you can utilize their tight end as a safety valve for Joe Flacco, if you can utilize the running game to establish as is a, a softer passing defense, he can cook. And yeah. if Kevin keeps, and I, and this is where I think Kevin's going to excel. I think Kevin is the kind of coach who notices those things and is going to do what he can to set up his quarterback for success. So um, I am on uh, right. board the wacko Flacco train. Here's um, all I'll say. 
is if he loses two games in a row, people will be throwing bricks through his apartment window like they threw bottles on the field. Uh, speaking of bottles in the field, that takes us to our sponsor. Um, uh, boy, I, this is making me need some Kirtland vodka and wish the Kirtland would come back as our sponsor. So Kirtland, if you hear this, please drown out my sorrows from this new sponsor with your vodka. Kirtland vodka. It's great stuff. Back to our real sponsor, though. Um, we have a special friend message. I'm not going to say listener message because he doesn't listen to our podcast. Uh, mostly out of convictions for not supporting his friends. But uh, we have a sponsor from our dear friend, Mr. James Fagan. Let me pull up what he's written here. This stems from a conversation that he was having about how bad Browns fans are. Joe, I did lie. Browns fans are the worst. It was not justifiable to throw glass bottles on the field because it had the potential to kill someone. The better statement is that instead of the Browns playing every week and the disappointment that it brings fans, they would get more benefit out of a group of anger ma- <laughs> out of a group of anger management sessions held at the stadium. Also, would this save the city and county money in the larger scheme of things? Actions have consequences, and Browns fans have to live with that karma for the rest of their lives. His second <laughs> message. I also realized that since Cleveland fans are attempted murderers, This is all stemming from the bottle-throwing incident in the early 2000s, I might add. Since Cleveland fans are attempted murderers and Cleveland is predominantly a leftist city, this equates to Democrats being fans of murder. For shame. Thank you, dear friend, Mr. James Fagan. I appreciate (laughs) you writing in to the sporting nudes and providing us some valuable insight on your opinion of the Cleveland Browns and the Browns fans. Hey, Uh, the the only uh, thing I will say is... You guys went to Pittsburgh with your Cleveland stuff on and experienced, albeit some heckling, but general, it was generally okay, right? You'll admit that? It was generally okay, yes. It was It was overall okay. There were certainly some glances and odd looks, especially when we walked into the original Primanti Brothers, and uh, I, I, there was a moment there where I said, this is, this is where I die, and uh, I'm not okay. This sandwich is not worth dying over. We didn't die. Um, We didn't die. However, me going to downtown with my Steelers stuff on has a potential for assault charges. Uh, Okay, I would like to just say there's a very there is a there is one key difference that every that you like to leave out here, and that's typically when you go down for any Steelers related event, there was always a victory, and and towels being spun in Browns fans, you know, just throwing the terrible towel up over your head, and there's a victory. For you, unlike when uh, Grace and myself and our dear friend Dan went with you to the Pittsburgh Browns game and Pittsburgh won. And on top of that, we lost our best player in Nick Chubb. It was a very solemn and downtrodden occasion. And to be fair, I guess the po- what I, my takeaway there is no Pittsburgh fan rubbed in that horrific injury in my face. There were yeah. a couple of fans on the way out. They were absolute assholes, but whatever they were drunk at assholes you're always going to have that every fan just has that every and then the guy sitting a row in front of us was absolute and just you know i will say i do think my heckling put him and put him in his place by telling him that he also lasted he lasted he was so drunk he lasted (laughs) half a quarter before he was passed out um but hey i do think my heckle of telling him that no one could hate me more than i hate myself so he should shut the fuck up was uh was on point so um but yes, what? okay, so go circling back to our listener letter here. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> I used the word listener, our friend letter, because he refuses to listen to our podcast. Um, a couple remarks I'm going to say. Number one, Bottlegate is 
not the greatest mark on Cleveland Browns fandom. <laughs> uh, no matter how justified and how terrible that call was and how shitty that entire run was, it was not justified. I would just like to say, though, hardly the first instance of fans throwing or doing shitty things to referees or other players. Uh, for instance, I don't know, Philadelphia fans threw trash and snow at Santa Claus because they're Philly fans. Um, but all I'm saying is that every fan base has shitty things they've done. Very few have ever reached the level of maybe we shouldn't sell glass in stadiums anymore. I like to think of it as we Cleveland Browns fans had the forethought of saying, you know, what doesn't work in areas of high human concentration of bodies and people is sharp objects, glass. We proactively help the NFL eliminate a future lawsuit by getting rid of glass. We we're thinking we're thinking leagues, leagues ahead, well, streets ahead. Well, the Philadelphia might have thrown glass or might have thrown snow and trash at Santa, but Santa's not real. I want to talk about something that is real, Joe. Do you do you think ice is real? Jason, I know for a fact that ice is real because mm. uh, it's it's it, okay. it hasn't been that long since I fell on ice and basically yeah. tore my ACL. Okay. Uh, also, right. I I used to play on ice. This wonderful magical thing. Um, it's called the sport of hockey. Uh-huh. And it's it yes. is near and dear to my heart. Um, and you know what's great about hockey today, Jason? You know what's fantastic about it today? What's fantastic about it, Joe? There's not a single person on this podcast that doesn't believe hockey's real. You believe it's Ooh. real and you're a fan. I know it's real because I played it and I'm a fan. And yeah. I hear what's that here? I hear I don't hear Grayson or Kyle mocking me for that. I, I, yes, it's it's quite wonderful. It's quite wonderful. Yes. Shall we talk a little bit about hockey, Joe Man? I absolutely think we should. Um I think do you, do you want to I, just get the bad part out of the way and talk well, about our let's, two teams? <laughs> let's talk. Let, you want to talk about some shit? Let's talk about some some hot fucking garbage. Let's go. Let's so, go. In the wide world of sports, just for anyone who's relatively new, to, uh, Fagan, for instance, who's new to listening to our podcast, who I'm sure he will listen to make sure I sponsored him out. Um, Jason is a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I'm a fan of the San Jose Sharks. Um, there's reasons why I'm a fan of the San Jose, San Jose Sharks. Listen to our last podcast, and you'll know why. Um, but. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Jason, your favorite what? team, on a four-game losing streak. Sure are. Um, they're six points out of the wild card in the East. I would just like to add, they're six points out of the wild card. They're also only six points above the San Jose Sharks in the standings. Now, obviously, different conferences, different divisions. Sure. Yep. But they're the exact same amount of points being out of the playoffs as they are over the Sharks, which is not good considering the nope. Sharks started 10 games without a regular Victory. No, yeah. not counting overtime. They didn't have a victory. That's yeah. fucking awful. That yeah. is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And I think the the thing for me about the Penguins that um, I guess is uh, so frustrating, and there's there's nothing really that you can do about what I'm about to say, okay? Because you're not going to blow up what has been an historically great team and had made the playoffs for so many years. But, like, where I, I think, I truly believe, and I thought we saw it a little bit last year, we're starting to see a little bit more this year, like that team is getting to the point where they're, they're at the end of 
um, I don't want to say end of careers because I don't I don't want to put a timeline on Crosby. I don't want to put a timeline on Malkin. Uh, quite frankly, I, like, I, I actually think it's it, it's safe to say that you're you you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're you're talking you're talking two guaranteed Hall of Famers in Crosby and yep. Ovechkin. Or not Crosby and Malkin. We'll get to Ovechkin a little bit. Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Russian uh, Crosby and Malkin. In my in my opinion. You're looking at a guy who will make the hall in Chris Letang. When you look at his overall career numbers, yep. his consistency, he I is agree. a guy who he, he is, doesn't have some Norris finishing. There's a lot of stuff there, but I, for fuck's sake, they put in Kevin Lowe. He's going to make the goddamn Hall of Fame. I and know. on top yeah. of that, you add in the trade to bring in Eric Carlson, another Hall of Famer, three time Norris winner. Um, he is going to make the Hall of Fame. You look at that team, all those guys are over 30. Every one of them is over 32 years of old. Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, both 35 plus. You absolutely can say they are at the end of their careers. It doesn't matter if they play for their five years. Their their peak is beyond them. Even though Crosby's having a point a game year, Fantastic. Yeah. Crosby's still playing, or Malkin's still playing at a elite level. Latang is Latang's not playing bad. He's still playing pretty good. Um, all of those guys are still near the top of their game, but. Their their best parts of their career behind them. You're not going to yeah. see Crosby's going to turn th- uh, 37. It's not like he's going to go and turn around and all of a sudden he looks like he's 28 years old. He's a decade older than that. He's just not going to get right. there. So you absolutely can say that they're on the down tail of their careers. Uh, they're also, and again, this I don't ever. It, you can never predict injuries. They're one significant injury away from being on long term injury reserve and not playing again. If Crosby takes another concussion, a ser- serious concussion, is he going to come yeah, back? And- you know, no, right. Uh, and, it, it, and honestly, I think Latang should have retired a long time ago. Like, uh, kudos to him for continuing to playing after how many times has he been out with injuries and fucking cancer and shit? Like, it, you know, I, I just, here's the thing the, there's been a, a theme over the last number of seasons of the, the Penguins kind of, trailing off in the first quarter of the season, middle of the season, and then they try to pick it up. But last year we saw what happened was they built themselves a deficit they couldn't overcome. And and quite frankly, didn't play that great down, down the stretch. Right. But um, you look at the previous year when they were in the playoffs that caught up to them in the playoffs, because when you get in the playoffs and it's a much different game and it's more intense, like they didn't have the intensity and or the physicality, I think to keep up with some of the better teams and, Look, the Metro is is really good. Um, the Flyers are, in my opinion, playing above where I thought they were going to be this year. Um, oh, but by far, uh, by, that's, by a that, lot. Like that is that's the Tortorella effect. Uh, as much as Tortorella can get grind my yeah. gears and get on my nerves, John Tortorella finds the way to get the most out of any team that uh, he coaches. He's able yeah, to but, take a roster and he plays the tight defense. He plays them physical hockey. He minimizes turnovers and he's exactly the kind of coach who will have a negative goal differential, but a winning record now. Yeah. And I'm very much. Into, look, yeah. Good. Go ahead. No, yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I'm absolutely with you that they're playing above their weight class right now. Um, I do not think that is sustainable. Yeah. I but ju- you'd have to. You'd have to imagine, though, that that even if that's not sustainable, the Devils are going to creep up there in the Metro. And look at the Atlantic. I mean, the Canadians and the Leafs are fifth to six. Oh well, right? I, you, you, when you when you talk when you're talking Sorry, standings Canadian right now, Lightning, Canadian you, Lightning, not the Leafs. Apologies. Like if you talk about the wild card right now today, right? Um, first of all, when you look at the, we'll talk about the Metro. When you talk about the Metro, the the Rangers, the Rangers are Stanley Cup favorites. Are they're, they're 
One they're, of the Stanley Cup favorites. The right? Stanley Cup they're favorites. playing fantastic. Artemi Panarin's been on fire. Chesterkin's come back from a, a early season injury. He's played very well. They're a very, very good team. I mean, there's there's a couple weak points on that team, um, but the kid line, as they say, the uh, Capocacco, Lafreniere, Heedle, they're they're finding their game a little bit more. And they're really playing very well. Uh, right now, the Rangers, Islanders, Flyers being the top three in the Metro. I'm not a believer in the Flyers holding it out. They might. They might. They're 32 points. But, you know, the Red Wings, the Capitals, the Hurricanes, the Lightning are all within one point or tied in points, not point percentage, but points with Philly. If you ask me to pick any team that's below Philly between the Red Wings, Capitals, Hurricanes, Lightning, Devils, Penguins, Canadians, Sabres, I'm going to take the the Canes, the Lightning and the Devils. Yeah, agreeing them. Absolutely. Yeah. I also am not a believer in the Capitals. Uh, that team is playing better. That they started the season off terribly, and everyone kind of wrote them off and said the fi- the Capitals have finally collapsed. Very much like the Penguins, an older aging roster. You've got Ovechkin, who's up in his thirties. Backstrom has to stay step away from the game from injuries. A team that has just become depleted from being very good over many many years and a big cup run. They're playing above their weight class, much like Philly is right now. So I think there is a chance for Pittsburgh to take a step here. I think there is a chance for them to get up there. Um, I also, the Islanders are a team that they make it in on goaltending and a little bit of offense. Um, Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat, outside of them, that team is not very offensively talented. As a matter of fact, they've got a negative four goal differential. But because uh, Sorokin is arguably the best goalie in the world, they find a way to win games. Um, yeah. And Lula Lamarillo will always, uh, the GM there will always uh, have a coaching style under him that is defensive forward, uh, protect the goalie, isolate him from high danger chances, and then yeah. you, you win two to one games. The yeah, Penguins' and, and the other- problem is ultimately that they cannot find consistency. They're right. Like, that's that's going to say it. Yep. Yeah. They can't find consistency. And a lot of that stems from Giari. Um, when Tristan Giari's on, he's very good. He's a oh, very no. good goaltender. When he's not, fucking not. Like yeah, he's, he's not. And, and, and there is and no it backup help there. That, correct. There's no backup there, and it doesn't help that the blue line is not the best in the league, right? So when when Yari's not on, if it's not like he has a ton of support in front of him to to keep him from having to face a lot of shots and stand on his head. Um, and I don't like here's the other bad part, like f- admittedly, and this is uh, damn you, NHL and blackout rules. Um, yeah. Admittedly, I don't get a chance to watch the Penguins a lot. So a lot of my basis on the Penguins are the um, national games they play and game tracker. Uh, because in Cleveland, we are in both the Penguins and the Blue Jackets market. So I can't watch any local hockey teams. Um, unless you're selling the high seas of piracy. Um, unless you're selling the high I've, seas. Yeah. I've never done that before, I might add. Never. Yeah. Me neither. Um, Me neither. Not yeah, even no. once. I've never even thought about it. Actually, I don't even really know what you're talking about. But um, Absolutely. that being said, yeah, I th- it's they're streaky. Um, and... That is not sustainable in a long season when you have so much strength at the top of the Metro and the top of the Atlantic. And you've got teams like the Devils who are underperforming who, I don't know, like do the Devils turn it around and, you know, get themselves back up to third? Uh, maybe. Um, but if even if they don't, 
You have to think the Hurricanes are going to do it. You know oh. the Lightning are going to pull it off. And I'm not sold in the Lightning. I would bet in the Hurricanes over. The Hurricanes problem, the Hurricanes are a great no. team. They're a goaltender away. And you could trade away yeah. for a goaltender. You might be able to get better goaltending a little bit down the stretch. Um, but I believe in two parts of their game. I believe their offense is consistent enough. I believe they're a very defensively sound team. And I think if you can find somebody to replace um, uh, Freddie Anderson is still, uh, I believe, still on the uh, IR right now. I mean, if you find a consistent goaltender, sure, I think that team can can take off. Um, I also, I, I'm a big Rod Brendamore fan. He's, God, he's one of my top, he's probably in my top five coach in the league. I think he's just that good. Um, but yeah. that's, that's really good to, to talk about coaching. Um, it, earlier in the year, <clears throat> I was very much of the opinion that if the Penguins need to shake up, you, you're they're very handicapped on what they can do with a trade based on the salary cap, but you can change a coach. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And Mike Sullivan's been there long enough that I think you could do a change. Um, I do want to bring up one person uh, on the Penguins that um, you you might finally agree with me on how much I hate this person. Um, the, this player is, first of all, he's over the hill. They signed him to a ridiculous, I think he's got two years left on this deal. Ridiculous deal at the age of 36. Um, that's uh, uh, my good friend, Jeff Carter. I yeah. despise yeah. Jeff Carter. Um, for those of the you that don't know me, I fucking hate Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter earned my bane and my hatred years and years ago when he was traded from Philly to Columbus and then cried his way out of Columbus because he didn't want to play there. And then he got traded to the Kings and went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. Um, the reason why I hate him and why I despise that is hockey players always tout themselves as the toughest, the biggest, the boldest, the bravest, yada, yada, yada. And then he complained and he whined and he bitched and he bitched and he bitched. Um, hockey players are insanely physically tough. They're they are mentally soft and bitchy. And I know that because I am that way. So I have a hockey player mentality of uh, you can tear my ACL. And I don't care. But like you make me feel sad and I'm going to cry. Uh, but fuck Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter has played 20 goddamn games for this. And he has two points. Yeah. Two. Yep. He's still playing 10 minutes a game. Well, they're like they're, it's they're insane. incredibly they're incredibly top heavy and they have been for a number of years. And you get past the second line. You're you're pulling for straws. So. Yeah, well, and their pipeline's you know, been depleted also, for being good for 20 years. So you know. yeah, exactly. What's also wild is they 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 only have two more points in the jackets. Uh, what, there's like, hey, you want to talk about? There's a lot of insane stuff. Really quickly, uh, I do find this incredible. The Pittsburgh Penguins are averaging 2.88 goals per game. Okay, that is better than a whopping seven teams. Okay. Yeah. Now, the yeah. reason why I do hold a little bit of hope for them, it's better than Montreal. It's better than Washington. Two teams that are above them in the standings, right? Yep. Columbus, Buffalo, and the Flyers and the Islanders are only slightly above them. Right. So you're you're able, if you can push that up and get closer to three points a game or three goals a game, bring down your goals against. Yeah. You're right back in the thick of it, so I don't think they're out of it by any stretch of the imagination. But no, but this it's, a it's uphill. It's very uphill. At this it's point uphill battle, yeah. and this smells exactly like what happened last year, where yeah. they struggled. They got themselves back into a wild card spot. They controlled their own destiny, and then the last three games of the year, they found Cliff. a way to not win a single game, and they lost to Chicago and Columbus, which then 
put them out of the playoffs by a point and a lot amazingly florida who went on to go to stanley cup to take over that wild card spot so um yeah. I, I don't think they're out of it i i by interest no. imagination because i just do think there's room for them in the standings but if i if you told me to bet on any of the teams around them i'm probably going to take someone like carolina leaping them or taking a wild card over them maybe tampa i tampa bay is uh i mean to be fair they just got uh <coughs> uh vasilevsky back got it like three weeks ago or so three after weeks. missing the first yeah, two months so you know they still have a little bit they still have time um and they're still much at the penguins right they're still sitting within striking distance but i am a little worried about them uh, speaking about things I I worry about though. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about the, uh, the only one of two teams that has only 19 points total this uh, entire so year, and they're a bit they're on a bit of a hot streak. They are, they are, they are on a hot streak. Um, the San Jose Sharks currently right now are five, three, and two in their last ten. Um, what sucks about that is I want them to be bad this year because I want yeah. them to have a chance to get Celebrini, a very touted uh, college prospect right now. Uh, and yeah, they've got 19 points on the year. That ties them in points with the Chicago Blackhawks. You know who I, you know who I don't want to have the best odds to win the lottery this year, Jason? Hmm, would it necessarily be the team that had the best odds to get the lottery last year and then also got... Uh... Connor Bedard. Oh, yeah, that's his name. That's his name, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would be the Chicago Blackhawks. Fuck the Chicago Blackhawks. Fuck yep. the Chicago Blackhawks. I Fuck hate Mary the Chicago Hosa. Blackhawks. Fuck Marion Hosa. Fuck the Chicago Blackhawks. Fuck Patrick Kane. And fuck their inability to police sexual harassment in uh, 2020, 2010. Fuck them. Fuck the Chicago Blackhawks. But anyway, back to the San Jose Sharks, because I could go on and on about how much I hate the Blackhawks. Uh, the Sharks are... The Sharks have finally, finally started to emerge from the... They're absolutely going to be the worst team in the salary cap era. Would you say era? the Sharks are coming too short to get their meat rather than searching in the deep blue ocean? I would say the Sharks have been overfished because people saw the movie Jaws and realized we need to kill these creatures. And uh, they've just been dying a slow, painful death. But conservation is taking hold, which we there realize we how important sharks are to the ecosystem. There's, and there's now your we're homage. trying to protect them. There's the homage to our two uh, missing brethren. <laughs> yes uh kyle and grayson are, are i guarantee they're fast forwarding through this entire segment because it's not real for them this podcast is going to be like eight minutes long it's going to be us talking about the browns and then us saying goodbye next next, next week we're in for oh we are we're in for such a, heckling. In for a rough one. we're, yep. we're going to be screwed um but yeah this is so, going to be our least listened to episode because they're going to say half the podcast is fake continue yeah. um they are the, all right so the sharks Oh, man, there's all right. So I've watched quite a lot of Sharks games. All right. This year. And I shouldn't. It's not good. But they're my team and I still enjoy them. The Sharks are have by far the worst roster in the entire league. And it's also a roster that has a couple young guys, a couple pieces that are up and coming. William Eklund, who has by far the best name in the entire NHL. Jason, would you like to know what William Eklund's nickname is? Uh, go for it. It's Slippery Pete. Ah, uh, yes. Good old Slippery Pete. So good old Slippery Pete. Uh, just so everyone who's listening understands, William Eklund is from Sweden, and his name is William Eklund. That was very loud. Yeah. I apologize about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, his, his name is William Eklund. At nowhere in his entire name, he's from Sweden, nowhere in his entire name is Pete involved. So it's a, a those are the hockey nicknames that are fantastic. But... Uh, other outside of William Eklund and uh, 
Uh, Thomas Bordalo has been playing there pretty well. He's a young guy. They got a couple other guys uh, thrown uh, one of their defensive prospects. But other than that, uh, we have a lot of veterans, a lot of aging guys, uh, and a lot of guys on long contracts. Thomas Hurdle is a very, very good player, but he's on an eight-year deal. Logan Couture, their captain, has still got, I think, five years left on this deal. He hasn't even played a game this year due to injury. Um, they're they are, they're going to have some really strong trade pieces. Michael Granlin might get some um, looks at the trade deadline. He's had very, very good year as on a team-friendly deal. Anthony Duclair, they traded for, uh, and I love Anthony Duclair. He's a fantastic leader. He's a, absolutely a guy that I'd love to have long-term, but the 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 Sharks just aren't in a position to sign a guy like that. Um, but they've got some trade pieces. I desperately want to see them trade away some of these guys before the deadline. Yeah, I want yeah. to see them get worse. Uh, but their goal, their, Mackenzie Blackwood, their goaltenders, actually had a really, really good year in terms of stopping high-danger chances. But when you're averaging 33 shots a game against you, I think it's, it might be 32 now or 30. That's, that's insane. That's yeah. absolutely insane. You can't win games like that. And that's the biggest knock on the Sharks. Their defense is atrocious. I mean, when I say bad, I say there's like the Sharks are, are going to be willing to, to give guys away for pennies on the dollar. And there's only one player that I think people are going to be l- looking to grab. And that's Mario Ferraro. Uh, the rest of their decor is either young prospects are not going to want to trade or people no one wants. No one wants Mark Edward Vlasic. He's in it for a pickle. Vlasic pickles, man. No one wants the pickle. He's also right. fucking terrible now. He's 36. He can't skate worth a damn anymore. He used to be a great defensive defenseman, and he's just he just passed his prime. Uh, but don't yeah. worry, he's signed till he's 40. So yeah, you know. and you're also rotating. You're rotating goaltenders to 895 and 894 save percentage, right? So to your point, like you know, save percentage is not up, but they're also facing so many fucking shots that like <laughs> 612 yeah. 12 shots. shots against. Yeah, through through Over a 19 of the games. Yeah, yeah. That is batshit. It is wild. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, I wanted, like, when I first started, we were talking, like, hey, let's talk hockey today, and and I was like, I I wonder what the Sharks' save percentage is. My immediate reaction was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, their overall save percentage is, what, 893? Like, that's Uh, bad. Yes. That's really bad. Um, However, when you put it in context as uh, to what they have to face on a night-in, night-out basis... It makes a lot more sense, um, and you know, I've I've actually had a chance to watch some some Sharks games this year, and because uh, ding ding ding, I don't have to get blacked out of their games. And boy, I mean, you're you're right. Like when you when you watch them play uh, against, like I watched the the Knights play the other night, and it's just there's the there's such a stark difference in what you see on the ice. And to your oh, point, yeah. it is time. Like they have the Blackhawks tied with them at points. The Ducks are only a point ahead. The Jackets are four points ahead and the Senators are three points ahead. Right. So if you can get away some pieces that are enticing to other teams that are kind of on that cusp of trying to make the wild card and or or at the cusp of winning the division and putting themselves in a better seed for the playoffs. Like I, you're certainly going to get people that are going to be looking to pull them. It's the same thing that the Blackhawks did last year. It's the same thing that the, um, what's the other team last year? Was it the Canucks that started selling everybody or was oh, it, Can- uh, Canucks, uh, sold some people, but, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. the Blackhawks traded away everyone last year. The Sharks did trade away a couple guys. The, there were a couple tanking teams. The, the 
uh, the Blue Jackets, the Sharks, the Blackhawks, the Ducks—they all tried to jettison people to to get worse yeah. last year. And the, and the and Pacific, the, the Pacific isn't exactly the strongest division. The, in the, league. the Pacific <laughs> is a, is a top-heavy division. The, yeah. you, the, the, I mean, it it is absolutely a top. Really quickly on, on and kudos on, for the Canucks to, for fucking being in second, but they're still fucking oh, what eight point six points behind the Knights. The, the Canucks have done a great job of turning around their yeah. uh, after yeah. last year. Quinn Hughes is on fire, but really quickly uh, on save percentage and, and, and goaltending rate. So Mackenzie Blackwood is only had more shots against uh only five goals he've had more shots against every other goalie i might add on that list except for one has played more games than he has so to be at 6 12 at 19 games yeah. four of the five other people have, are, are at least one game over alexander Gordiev is four games above him and he's only 30 shots higher that's one game okay that's why when I say like he's getting an insane, and he's also he's getting very high danger chances. That, that means the percentage of a uh, of a goal occurring is significantly higher based on the shot shot location, who's yeah. taking it. Oh, there's a lot of things that go into that. But his high danger chances, I'd have to go pull up the stat. I, I think I think he's like third or second in the league, which is yeah, crazy. And, and when you average wild... shots in that amount of uh, high danger, it, it, you're going to get lit up. Yeah, it's wild just to see two sharks goaltenders kind of near the top of that. You know. In, oh, in yeah. that list and then um but to your point uh yeah uh you know you mentioned it earlier um i don't want to skip back to the east because we're talking west but um that graphic really just shows uh Ilya sorokin's fucking how good he not, is how nine, good he is this year Nine fourteen overall save percentage 661 shots across 18 games yeah it's that's, unreal. A, that's one game less than mckenzie blackwood and almost 50 more shots. Yes. Ilya Sorokin is, in my opinion, the best goalie in the world this year. And he's been in the top three the past three to five years. He's been been really, really, really good. Also, I will say that the Islanders play a very defensive heavy first game. They set that up to minimize high danger chances. But that just goes to show you how much they rely on him. Well, Um, yeah. I mean, even if it's it's even even if it's not high danger chances, you know, what do we always scream about when we're watching games where no one's shooting? It's pucks on net, pucks on net, pucks on net. Because yeah. the more pucks on that you put on net, the better chances there are for tips and and weird bounces and a lot of traffic. And the Islanders are setting that up because they're basically telling you, go ahead, go ahead and try to beat our guy. Throw and, and throw a crazy angle from the uh, throw a crazy shot yeah. from the board across you know the the right faceoff circle. With bodies in front of it, we're not going to give you. We're not going to let you shoot it from the slot. We're yeah, not going to. We're not going to. You know, throw a point on there. It goes to show the OTs. The OT, yeah. How many, they've got six, seven OTs. Six overtime losses. He leads the league yeah. in overtime losses, right? Yeah. Um, that's that'll also increase your shots, right? So certainly, it's crazy sure. when you look at six overtime losses. I'd have to go look and see how many overtime games he's played in general. But to have six overtime losses is is brutal. They actually uh, spoiled the. Uh, Maple Leafs in overtime the other day. They won one, so I know they've at least played in seven. Um, <laughs> Speaking that, of the yeah, Leafs, real quick, uh, you know who start for the Leafs right, tonight, right? Uh, oh, is uh, is uh, our good buddy Matt Murray back in that tonight? Is he no. finally back? Who, who it's, your, really it's your good buddy. Who is your favorite goaltender for the last number of years of the Sharks? Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> say oh his name, God. Joe. Is, is, no, I, I refuse. I refuse say, to. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Say it for the listeners. Uh, Martin Jones is starting tonight. Hold on, I need to go I, look at that. Is he yeah, really I, starting tonight? Yeah, he's starting tonight. My God, ugh. Martin Jones actually came up. Uh, man, how the hell he was doing? My God, 
Did, they, did he win tonight? Okay, I need to look. I'll need to look at that. Oh, my God, he did. Yep. Oh, my God. Martin Jones won a game in 2023. Yep. Okay, well. Man, the fact that the Leafs even have to, By the way, Martin Jones is literally like he's a month and a week older or younger than I am. Okay. And I hate that fact. I hate it because it means I'm slowly aging out of my NHL career. Not that I ever had one or anything, but my God, I fuck Martin Jones. Oh, anyway. So, so yeah, (laughs) uh, I had to bring that up. I've been saving that little nugget. That's a great fucking poll that made me super depressed. No, but, uh, so you're talking about the standings. So really quickly, do, do you have, who is your, biggest disappointment for this year and then also who's like your biggest surprise like maybe a cup contender or someone that you're you're excited to watch night in night out i so my biggest disappointment is um am i allowed to say the ottawa senators they, well, they because would, i think they that's would absolutely everybody. agree with you <laughs> i think that's everybody's biggest disappointment man like i all of the hockey talk, you know, you and I had a chance to take um, a couple longer trips and, and listen to all these podcasts in the offseason about what we were talking about this year. And I bought into the hype of the Senators. I know the Senators fans bought into the hype of the Senators. I didn't think they were like you look at the Atlantic Division. I don't think it's pretty clear they weren't going to be, you know, one, two or third. Um, right. But um, for, for years, we've been talking about the Lightning are going to have a fall-off, right? And this is the time for the Senators to get themselves up. And the Red Wings took that spot. Like the yeah. Red Wings took the spot of what Senators were going to be, right? Well, I think when you, when you look at rebuilding teams that were on roughly the same timeline, right? You've got your Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, right? All three of them roughly the same. They're, they're acquiring young players. They're acquiring picks. They're, they're drafting. They're getting talent. Um, and you look and say, well, some of these teams have to move up. And some of them have to drop down, right? Everyone for a while had several teams pegged. Hey, at some point in time, Tampa, to your point, is going to run out of gas. They're going to they're gonna burn. And we're seeing a little bit of that. They haven't quite fallen off the cliff or anything like that. But you're seeing Pittsburgh. You're seeing Washington, right? You're seeing those teams drop a lot. There was a lot of question about, hey, you know, what what's going to happen with Boston? Bergeron and Krejci both retired. They had a record-setting regular season last year and then lost to Florida in the first round. Um, what happens to them? What ha- there was questions about them last year and this year. Boston sitting at the top of the Atlantic with 39 points. They're playing yep. extremely good hockey. Um, not everyone dropped off the way you thought. Washington is still competitive. Pittsburgh, still competitive. You could debate whether they're playoff contenders or even... Yeah, but they're, they're are still competitive. Yeah, yeah they're, they're still competitive. Yeah. So who's able to fill that? Well, the the multiple gaps people thought about just aren't there. So if there's one or maybe two spots, who is going to fill them? Detroit had a down year last year. They didn't take a step forward the way they thought. They go and they get Alex Debrinkit. They just signed Patrick Kane. I hate Patrick Kane, but they just signed him. Um, and they're they're making a really big push to make the playoffs. At minimum, they're going to be playing competitive hockey down the stretch all the way through March and April. But I think they have a very good chance of making the playoffs. They have a positive goal differential. They're they're overall playing pretty consistent hockey right now. Um, their goaltending has been very interesting. Billy Huso has been playing pretty well. They, Alex Lyon, uh, who was on the Florida Panthers last year when they went to the Stanley Cup, uh, playing very well for them. Buffalo and Ottawa. Whew. Yeah, boy. The uh, huge disappointments. Buffalo's dealt with a little bit injury. Tate Thompson was hurt for a while. But you look at both. DJ Smith has got to be the hottest coach right now, on, or the coach in the hottest seat right now. There is no way in hell he makes it 
I don't I don't know how he makes it past Christmas with the, the way they're playing right now. Um, and Buffalo, man, Buffalo always starts off in such a weird way. Um, neither one of these teams, by the way, are a hundred percent like out of it, out of it. No, but, no, no. But I, I mean, I, you have to for, think the senators are more out than they are in by a oh, long shot. They, they, they've got, I, I guess I'm, I'm in a crazy. I don't think Buffalo is fully out of it, but Ottawa has less po- less points than fucking Columbus and Columbus sucks. Columbus is not fun. They're, yeah. they're bad. Uh, and they're actively not trying to be good. They're trying to be, well, I don't want to say they're actively because, Yarmouk Hekalainen is somehow trying to still win games there, even though he needs to sell off pieces, acquire hey, another hey, pick. By the way, uh, Jack Greaves, first NHL victory. Oh, I do. I do love me some Jet, Dread Greaves, <laughs> Cleveland Monsters, uh, legendary goaltender, best one of the best names in hockey, right? Um, yeah. What is crazy, though, and the reason why I just call a little bit out that Ottawa might not be as far out. Do you know how many games Columbus has played more than the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, I just saw that. That's wild. Seven more games, that's, right? That's wild. Yeah. Crazy scheduling right now. So they're one point behind, but there's Columbus has seven games played in hand on them. Like that's sure. that's crazy. So um, my pick is Buffalo. I, I yep. very much. I'm just, a Buffalo. Um, Buffalo. This was a. This was the year for Buffalo. Played competitive. They played fun hockey last year. Uh, everyone. Uh, Tage Thompson. Look, burst on the scene the past couple of years. Everyone thought this is the year they take a leap. Um, I am very disappointed in them right now. Uh, I, if you told me to pick a team, if you told me to bet if one of it, does any of those teams make the playoffs, my answer is no. Um, right. But if, if you told me Buffalo makes it, you might be able to sell me on that. I just don't know who they jump, right? If we go and we look at it, right? Who do they jump that's ahead of them? Montreal, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, that's, New Jersey. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe Montreal. They, Montreal, in my opinion, is a worse team than Buffalo. But are they going to beat? Are they going to jump Pittsburgh? Quite possibly, yes. The Devils, the Lightning, Carolina. No, I, all yeah, three of those no. teams are better. So, no, yeah, agreed. Um, for surprise, uh, I mean, part of me wants to go with the Coyotes just because they have the Cochina jerseys, which are, in my opinion, the best sweaters in the league. Um, I, I, bu- I bought one because it's great. Yeah, I own one. However, however, um, I feel like I'd be doing an incredible disservice to hockey if I didn't pick the Canucks as my good, my biggest surprise this uh, quarter of the way through the season. The I, what you, they've done in a year of, I mean, you had a fan base that was like all pissed off about um, the coaching switch last year. Hey, like to 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 really quickly really go back to our fan letter uh, criticizing the uh, Cleveland fan base. The Canucks fan base is considered to be arguably one of the most toxic in all of hockey. They burned down their city when they lost in the 2011 Stanley Cup. Uh, th- yeah, they're rabid. I mean, they are yeah. rabid. Now, they love hockey. They love their team, but they're assholes about it. So Yeah, you and they sold, they sold literally every, uh, everyone that they could. Any, any they, player on their team that anyone would pick up for any moderate deal. They signed right? JT Miller to an eight-year deal and then almost traded him before the deal kicked in place. Right, That's they insane. were doing everything they could to get the first pick, and they are in a really good spot right now to make it into the playoffs. Like I know that Three. there's a lot of games left, it's a lot of hockey left. Oilers, Oilers have been disappointing. Flames, guess they've been disappointing, but kind of think everyone saw or felt like they were going to be mid pack. Um, but they got 37 points a quarter of the way through the season. They have 12 more points than the Oilers, 12 more points than the Flames. So if you look at just their Pacific division, they're up there. 
They have seven more points than the Predators. They have nine more points than the Coyotes. And they have three more points than the Jets. Two more than the Stars. So they are second. They'd be second. Actually, they'd be first in the Central because they have more points than the Avalanche. So if you look uh, at the entire league, right, the entire league, they're sitting in fourth by points, right? Just yeah. points. We're not talking points percentage. Um, by points. They're right. a plus 34 in goal yes, differential. Wild. Unbelievable. Which is fantastic, right? They're they're just playing really good overall hockey. Quinn Hughes is I I arguably gold, the I favorite for the like to, to win. First, isn't it? That's first in the league, I think, at 34. Uh, I mean, quick, quick glance, I think the closest to him is the Kings at 32. I Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just looked at the Sharks, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> 54 <laughs> minus, baby. Naked. You know what's great? The two games, two games when they, when they played two games in a row uh, and they lost by 20 to three total total points or total goals, 20 to three in two games. That right there is 17 of those. Yeah. That's God. Yeah. That's but, so but fucking that's, depressing. That's but my yeah. biggest surprise, no, man. I, I'm, I, I'm excited I don't disagree to watch, with you at all. I'm excited to watch the Canucks, honestly, the, the rest of the year, because, um, you know, I, I sort of a soft spot for the Canucks because that's literally the team that's furthest away from anything, right? Like they're the furthest most North and West team that we have. And Vancouver's not a huge city. And like you're like like you said, they're they're vicious and they're fucking rabid they're, about sports. Oh the, the 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 Vancouver Canucks are very much a like what's crazy is so the the Toronto Maple Leafs are considered to be they're like the Yankees of hockey except without the the, without the World Series, right? They they haven't won a Stanley yeah. Cup since '67. Um, if you'd have a comparison, there's a rabid fan base in Vancouver that maybe let's say prior to Boston winning uh, World Series, that was maybe be the equivalent of where they're big, they're a big market in Canada, the loyal huge fans, and they're borderline insufferable because of how shitty their luck has been um i'm not going to compare them to cleveland because i think uh you know we're a super special and amazing fan base and unlike some people who wrote us in i think we're delightful but um so that's going to take me to my my surprise so really quickly honorable mention for my disappointment is the oilers part of the reason why i didn't pick them is because everyone's (laughs) talking about how fucking disappointing they are uh you've got and they're seven and three in their last 10 so they're they're picking up a little bit of steam and that's also a a tale of my god if they got any kind of goaltending earlier on they wouldn't be in that hole um but Stuart skinner and jack campbell found a way to fuck them it's Stuart skinner to a lesser extent but when when you send a guy who you gave an extension to down to the minors Mm, yeah. that's that's yeah. J- you're Jack having, a year. Yeah. Having, yeah. A year. having a year yeah having a year um, but the, you know the, the economy david best player in the world leon dreisaitl top three top five player in the world you got two of the top five players in the world and uh you can't find a way to have a wild card and be better than the nashville predators and the phoenix coyotes and the st louis blues right now that's that's rough and they absolutely had stanley cup aspirations they absolutely this is I cannot stress enough how important it is for them to play well and win this year. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are getting close to their deals uh, being uh, over. If Edmonton can't re-sign them, they have to find a way to trade them. There's, and yeah. are you going to get the two of the best players in the world to sign in a in a, in a market a and with a team that can't even crack the wild card in December? That's that's Not why this is so there's important. Been, so and there's been yeah. too many. There's been too many positive improvements in the cap and player contracts since they signed their extensions that they're God, not yeah. gonna take they're not gonna take an extension in that city. They're gonna go somewhere else, get way more money for 
a better bang for their buck. So I totally oh, agree absolutely. with you. They can't, yeah. if they can't figure out a way to get to the cup in the next two years. Then I, I would say win, but like, let's just, let's just get him to the cup. Like it maybe, maybe you have a chance to sign those guys. And listen, maybe, you, but you, you can not like Edmonton. You can root against them, but much like any sport, right? Whether it's football with Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady back in the day, if it's basketball with uh, LeBron or name a superstar, any sport where you have the best player involved, you want them going far in the playoffs. It's better yep. for the sport. I don't want to go through another playoffs where I don't get to watch Connor McDavid do Connor McDavid things. The man, the man skated around four New York Rangers two years ago to score a goal. He literally weaved through four players. It was a one on fucking. He he's, shouldn't have scored hockey, that goal. He's hockey Jesus for a reason. Yes. Connor yes McJesus, he's so. the best player to ever play the game. Uh, and I'm not afraid to say that he is. He's never going to be the great one. But my God, if I think he, he is a year or two away from being on the Mount Rushmore of hockey. Um, so, but that being said, I will say my surprise is slightly different. I, I, I absolutely agree with you on, on Vancouver. My surprise is 100%. It's two teams and it's for the same reason. It's going to be the Vegas Golden Knights and the Boston Bruins. And that's because they're playing yeah, better Yep. Then, then they have any right or what people expected them to. Viggs is coming off a Stanley Cup victory, and I'm not saying that they're not fantastic and they're not good. They're setting the pace this year. The first team to crack 40 points, they're sitting at 43. Yep. They're leading the West. They're also, uh, when I say leading the West, I mean they're destroying the West. Yeah, like absolutely destroying the West. They have a plus 31 goal differential. They're six one and three in their past ten. They have five regulation losses. Five. That is ridiculous, especially when you look like when you look and say, yeah, Vancouver, Vancouver is nine. Vancouver is four more than the Golden Knights do. And they've only played Golden Knights have only played one more game. They're extremely yeah, good. They, they play extremely well in opposing barns, too. I mean, oh, they are they're they are great all like, around. They have the like their records almost identical for home wins in a way. Their home and away record is almost identical is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So yeah, I agree the, with you. And you're looking and, at and, that in uh, Boston right now is is yeah. is a little bit a lesser version. They've dropped up a little bit. Um they're a little bit closer to 500 in their past 10, but they're They've they they've been fantastic. That goaltender tandem, yeah, Olmark and Swayman is the best tandem in the league because night in night out doesn't matter who's in net, they're really really good. I'll take Ilya Sorokin as the best goaltender. If I you told me pick one team's goaltending and that's your goaltending, I am going to take Boston's. And then you know who's next? Oh, it's the Vegas Golden Knights with Aiden yeah. Hill. And Logan Thompson, because they're also incredibly good. Both those teams play an incredibly good system. They play a very sound set of hockey where they drive the play. They're not afraid to get physical at all, but they don't rely on physicality. What I love about the way that both teams play these games is, uh, and this is absolutely a knock on Toronto, they don't go get Ryan Reeves to punch people around and push around. Yep. They rely on their players to help each other out, and they... David Pasternak is a superstar, but that they're they have guys playing third line minutes who going into the season, who's going to step up and replace Krejci? Who's going to step up and replace Brad Marchand? A bunch of no name guys. I say fully no names, but a bunch of guys who you said, oh, they, they can't even sniff Brad Marchand's jockstrap. 
Well, oh, he's doing it. And now, did I say, did I say Br- replace Brad Marchand? I meant um, Patrice Bergeron. I apologize. Yeah, I knew who you Br- meant. Brad Marchand, the rat, is still in the league. Um, and listen, I don't like Brad Marchand. <laughs> the league's better when you have the rat. Everyone loves to hate him. And part of the reason why I picked them is the league is better when you have two teams that are incredibly good that everyone loves to hate. Yeah. Uh, and no, also, no one likes the Vegas Golden Knights. Their fans are fucking insufferable. Yeah, and I guess the other the other point too is that the Bruins play in a much deeper conference. So oh, huge, yeah, good. Like point. they they might be you know five points behind, four points behind, but they're also playing tougher tougher competition night in and night out than than the Knights are. And that's not to take away from what the Knights are doing. Like they have forty three points, and some would say they should. But to your point, like there is there is legitimate there is no Stanley Cup hangover, not even a little none. Bit of a Stanley cup hangover. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Those are, those are good surprises um, as well. You want to, do you want to yeah. pop through a couple of the quick hockey notes here so yeah. we can get, yeah, so, uh, get through some stuff? Yeah. So yeah, really quickly. We're um, also uh, like disappointments. Um, obviously a big thing going into the season was Alexander Vetchkin uh, is, was, only uh, about 72 goals short of Wayne Gretzky's record of 894 goals, uh, a record that not a lot of people thought would ever be touched. And he's, like I said, only 72 short. But Alex Ovechkin has five goals in 25 games um, and has been overall a disappointment this year. Um, I, me personally, I don't really mind Gretzky keeping the record. Um, I think it's a fun record to have. I think 894 goals is insane. My favorite stat in all sports will always be the fact that if you took away every single one of Wayne Gretzky's goals, all 894, and you just gave him points for assists, he'd still have more points than anyone else, which is fucking insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I know it, it's, it was fun. It was supposed to be a fun, you know, this year was going to be Bedard watch and uh, Ovet, Ovechki, uh, Ovechki, my God, Ovi Close. chasing Gretzky watch. And it's been very disappointing if you're into that sort of thing. Um, Right now, if I, if you told me, does he beat Gretzky's record? My money is no. Going into the season, I probably would have slammed the yes because he was still putting up 20 goals, according to 20 goals a season. Uh, man, at this rate, unless he somehow picks up steam and scores 25 or 30 this year, I don't think he does it. Yep. I mean, he's a 0.5 point. Is it 0.7 and 0.5 point per game guy? Uh, I'd have to go but, look it up, but yeah. But I think it's I think it's point five goal per game uh, average over a season. So yeah, I mean he needs <laughs> he needs he needs some help um, and another explosion to get there. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah. I I'm gonna say no, he doesn't get it. But um, my only hope is that he picks it up a little bit uh, and um, has an opportunity to get close. Because uh, to your point. Um, that was one of the big highlights of the season, and it's been disappointing to watch that team and and him struggle. Might not be the the right word, but not quite be the the level that w- what we thought it was going into the year. And I know none of us are neither one of us are big Capitals fans, but you know that's a it, it it's a fun it's a fun big thing story. to to, yeah, to watch, story. right? Big story. Uh, speaking yep. of another uh, story that's going on in Washington. Um, uh, the Wizards and Capitals both play at uh, Capital One Arena, I might add. Uh, I think it's the name of it. Um, they're looking to move their home from D.C. to Alexandria, Virginia. Um, that triggered the D.C. mayor to announce to just tonight, breaking news, uh, right before the pod, uh, a five, that they're willing to support a $500 million renovation to keep the current stadium in D.C. Um, basically, the, the WNBA's uh, Washington Mystics would still stay in D.C., though. But As, as they should. We need the WNBA in the Capitol. 
A hundred percent. You know what? And, and, and part of you know, send the Wizards and Capitals to Virginia. Make the Mystics the primary professional sports team in Washington D.C. But I don't know, man. I don't know about you. We don't need to go too deep into it. I just, I would like him to stay in D.C. I, I'm not a. I, I get it. It's just going over the border into Virginia. I'm not from that area. I don't live there. I'm not really too familiar with it. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't love teams moving, even if it's, you know couple yeah. dozen miles away find a way to keep him there also if you're going to call yourself after the the capital of washington dc play in fucking washington dc you know i don't know i just i just i just don't love teams moving so yep yep um i guess uh you want to really quickly touch base on uh the most ridiculous deal in arguably all the sports ever yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, Shohei Otani. Boy, um, I remember before his sort of free agency period was going to start, we were talking about how wild would it be um, that we'd have, you know, uh, a half a billion dollar professional athlete uh, in the States. And the Dodgers up and said, hey, fuck you. <laughs> How about <laughs> just under three quarter of a, mil- a billion dollars over ten years? Um, I am admittedly, uh, it'd be between Kyle and I for the t- two least baseball fans. What fucking English was that? Neither of us are big baseball fans, right? Um, I watch it passingly. Uh, obviously, growing up and being a young kid when the guardians slash Indians were doing their thing in the, in the world series made me a uh, rather large uh, Cleveland baseball fan, right? That's my team. My number one team will always be my number one team, but you look at deals like this and then you go, Holy shit. My team's never going to do that. <laughs> like our, like the, the outside of the Yankees and maybe the giants, are there any other teams outside of those three? That are going to do that. I'm sorry, not the well, Giants, the Padres, because the Padres just have an ending supply of money. Well, um, it, well, so I think what's crazy about that, right, is that this deal and to your point, all those teams, all this signifies with baseball. And I think this is I think this is a problem baseball is going to have. I think they've already had it. I think they've had it for a while. And I think this only exacerbates and is going to increase the problem. It just not having a salary cap or a salary floor means you can just do this right the the dodger the part of the reason why the dodgers are able to do this is they signed a eight billion dollar tv deal they get like a billion dollars for the next eight every year for the next like eight or ten years just by their tv deal alone just their tv deal which means any other smaller market outside of maybe your chicago's maybe your boston's maybe your new york's you say the Padres, I mean, the Padres are looking at, they just traded away Juan Soto. Like they, they, they spent for a couple of years and now they're getting rid of a bunch of salary. Yep. How can you compete against that? And I understand that, you know, I I think you look at the way the guardians have done things and even with Moneyball. And I, Grayson mentioned this, I think on a podcast or two ago, you look at Moneyball, Moneyball's shown to be effective in getting teams to be competitive. What Moneyball team has won the world series? The Guardians certainly haven't. The A's haven't. The Rays have come close, but haven't, right? Um, and I think where you find a good middle ground is playing Moneyball, but throwing throwing a little bit of money around can get you a victory. 
you, and to be fair, throwing money around doesn't always guarantee you victory. The Yankees yeah, haven't was, won one for a while. Yeah, but, and more than one guy does not make – they make a huge difference for the team. One do. guy will not win that team a World Series. Based, there's no single player that can win – Ever and there never will be because Frankie the way Linder going to the Mets proved nope. that right. With Francisco yeah. Linder went to the Mets, three hundred and three hundred twenty, three hundred million dollars, no, no yeah. championship. No one player is going to get a baseball team a one hundred percent guarantee. But yeah, to your point, these teams aren't just spending that money on one player. No, they're now right. they're not going to spend seven hundred million on more than one player. <laughs> but <laughs> but like. They will spend exorbitant amounts of money on all the best players to get them to the biggest markets to give them the chance to be the guys that make it over that hump. So, yeah, it's it's wild, and um, you know we're starting to get into soccer money. It's starting to become soccer money. So, good on Shohei. Um, it is incredible to watch him. Uh, you know we're we're watching history, but seven hundred million is fucking ridiculous. I just my only my hope my hope here is that. Um, Otani stays on the field and and is healthy and dominant for a long time because uh, what I don't want to have happen is people look back and Otani's you know career is defined by did he live up to seven hundred million because that's I don't all know how you about. can that's I mean I hate to say it but yeah, it, yeah. Otani is. Is he the most, trying to the best word, he might be the most interesting and electric player baseball has seen, God, in like 20, oh. I, I borderline want to say ever just because ever, of the yeah. uniqueness of him. But I know that some people are saying, oh, well, you know, it was much watch TV when it was Maguire versus Sosa or yeah, I, I fully understand that there's might be an appeal there. But how can one man live up to seven hundred million dollars? I don't know. I don't think it's possible, right? I, I think it's it's and I might add, it's also a seven hundred million dollar deal that's deferred. I, yeah. They're literally going to pay him like peanuts for like the next yeah. eight years or something like that before they actually have to pay him. The, he's going to get like a lump sum at the end of this contract of like six hundred million dollars, something yeah. crazy like that. He's yeah. getting like what two or four million dollars per year. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, I do think your point though, it is. They're all you're always going to judge him against his dollars now. Oh, yeah. Um, 100%. Yep. And I also think that I don't want to get injured because he's so good for the sport. He's so fantastic. I do love the fact he's going to a competitor as much as it drives me crazy that it's always the Yankees, the Dodgers, the whatever people, you know, the Red Sox throw money at people. The Dodgers are competitive. The Dodgers are fun to watch. They're really good. Uh, I'd much rather see him there than in with the goddamn angels because the angels wasted my, have wasted Mike Trout. Um, yeah. the best years of Mike Trout, I'm not saying they're behind him, but they've already occurred for the most part. And we didn't get to see him play in the playoffs basically at all. And, uh, yeah, it, it's super disappointing. Here's what I, I'll, I, I'll go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was, was going to say is that I do think that this deal is a very slippery slope. I think we've already been sliding down that slope. This is just pushing us farther down. Yeah. Baseball has to find a way to address what the I salary is. I have an idea. Let's go. What's your idea? What's your idea? All right. Before we move on, the top half of the league from spending 
top athlete based on record, I'm assuming, right? Based on spending. Based on their spending. Based on spending? Okay. Their top half of the league in spending stays as is. The bottom half of the league is given a large sum of money from the MLB to purchase, distribute, and monitor PhDs. <laughs> you, wait, you, mean, you mean PEDs, not PhD degrees. PEDs? P- Sorry, did I say PhDs? Hell you yeah. PhDs. Nice, nice. PEDs. <laughs> so that the bottom, Harvard, let's go. So bottom, bottom half of the league is all juiced up. So let's juice the bottom half of the league, give them as many steroids as possible, and then let the top half of the league beat it with money. I just saw baseball. Wow. Okay. All right. That. You know what? Fuck it. I'm. I'm in. Now. Yeah. I, let's go. I thought you were gonna go. We talked. We were talking the other day of the in-season tournament with the NBA. Major League Baseball. Fuck it. Let's bring in relegation. That's where. Yeah. I, that's where I'm fine with it. You want, want to talk about a sport that can use rubber ducks? Yeah. Be in. <laughs> you want to talk about relegation? There you go. Hey, Guardians. You don't want to spend enough to compete? Fuck it. Maybe the Pawtucket Patriots are gonna fucking. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. I don't know what the solution is because I'm not smart enough to know what the solution is. But for the fuck's sake, the fact that, my God, Showtime is going to make more in 10 years than the Guardian spend in payroll in like five. I just it. It's one of those scenarios where the more and more that and, and again, where it all goes back to it doesn't you, to your point, it doesn't buy you a championship. But how do you feel as a fan of the well? The athletics are going to Vegas, so fuck Vegas. But how do you feel as a fan of the Guardians, the Reds, the Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, the Tigers, the Twins, the, any of these Midwestern, smaller markets? How do you feel as a fan of those teams knowing that your team is going to have to scrape and draft perfectly and commit trades and any player that any of the top 50 player salary, uh, 50 players by salary, you more than likely can't get? That is very disappointing. Um, right. Where other sports, a, g- a good example is hockey. I mean, the, the, the flames traded one of the best players in the league, Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers, the Florida Panthers, a, a bottom dwelling team for a very long time, very poorly run franchise traded for one of the best players and most electric players in the league from Calgary, a hockey mad town. Connor, Connor McDavid, the best player in the world plays in Edmonton. Connor Bedard went to Chicago, but not every good. Joe Thornton played 20 years in in San Jose. Like you have good players all around. And trust me, the salary cap creates its own problems. I fully acknowledge that. We see it in basketball. We see guys forcing themselves out to get more money because you know the salary cap is going to hinder them with their current team. All that, right? There's problems. But baseball is the only sport that's a problem of where unless you live in five markets, and that's being generous, you're never going to have a generational talent unless someone, unless they're Jose Ramirez, who takes less money in longer years to stay with the franchise he loves. And Jose, Jose Ramirez don't exist anymore. They're one out of one out of hundreds. Right. And um, also, Jose Ramirez was not a generational talent when they found him. They made him into a generational talent. They made him into a guy like that. And he appreciates the Guardians for that. So um, that being said, when we're talking about sports phantoms and teams we care about, I have a question for you, Jason, and we can have a discussion yep. about this. Not counting your favorite teams, right? So no, no, no Pittsburgh, no Steel, whatever. And same thing, you know, Browns. What's your favorite team to root for in the big four that is not your favorite team? Your, your, you know, your second place, your, your soft spot, right? We talked a little bit about uh, Vancouver and Buffalo. Who do you got there? 
So, so, so uh, let's, do you, let's do football first. Do you want to do football first? So yeah, football, football first. Football first. I have I have kind of a weird uh, kind of a weird one. Um, and uh, this one took a bit of a hit a couple years ago, um, because it was really tough to have a special place in fandom for that team. But <clears throat> growing up next to Kyle uh, for a good portion of um, my life and and formative years of my life, um, a man from Florida. Um, I had a soft spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers have always, uh, well, for a long time, it was the St. Louis Rams, <laughs> but that, that can't be a thing anymore. Um, because <laughs> I'm not going to root for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I'm, I'm with uh, you there, but, but yeah, it's, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Mike Allstott's one of my all time favorite players just because it's fucking Mike Allstott. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple of years ago, um, kind of put that on hiatus uh, when Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers. But now that Brady's gone, uh, I can I can look at the Buccaneers and go, yeah, let's go, let's go, Buckaroos. So yeah, they're they're it's a little bit different in football. Um, I'll have a little bit more of um, fandom, I guess, for the other teams. Football's tough for me, but yeah, it's uh, it's Buc- it's the Buccaneers for me in the NFL. Joe man, you know. Um... I'm going to bring up Buffalo here. It's the Buffalo Bills. I There are so many similarities between the city of Cleveland and Buffalo, um, not a, not just in terms of, you know, culture and, and architecture and style, weather and, and, and regional positioning. But uh, there's that kindred heart of just being kind of like the the ugly duckling, the, you know, the redheaded stepchild, the forgotten soul uh, in a way they're they're a Rust Belt city much in the way of Cleveland and, and a little bit like Detroit that just kind of shares this shared misery of just a, a very beaten down soul. And it's a city that's coming back a little bit. Uh, and uh, I think you can see that in the, their love of their sports teams, right? The Bills fans are diehard. Um, they're a lot of fun. Bills Mafia is great. They're also, you could make the argument, is it worse to lose four straight Super Bowls? Or is it worse to never go to one like the Browns? And man, the Bills fans can make a compelling case. But uh, no, I'm uh, I, I, I will more than likely always root for the Buffalo Bills against almost anyone they're facing. Right. Uh, other than the Browns, uh, I'm a dire Browns fan. But there's not really anyone else I could really think of that I, I truly get behind. There's obviously, you know, I will say the Lions were close. I almost said the Lions, um, but I, I, I just really love the city of Buffalo. So I'm going to I'm going to pick Buffalo. I like it. So if we had to go, then let's go. Let's go. I think I think a league that's a little bit easier to pick another another favorite, and that's going to be the NBA, right? I think the mm-hmm. NBA, especially the way the league is now, with you know a lot of your attention being paid almost to to the players themselves, right? I'm not I'm not saying our, I know our fandom is always going to lie with the Cavs, no matter what, but the NBA has done. Some could say a good, some could say a bad bad job. I think it's a I think it's a positive overall that you can root for a player and follow their career and just you know means you're a fan a fan of different teams sometimes so who do you who do you got over there that you have a soft spot for uh mine's the timberwolves um because Ooh. growing up my yeah my favorite player in the league growing up um i mean really outside of of lebron um and i think that's the obvious one because we're from cleveland and we got a chance to watch the majority of his career here um i loved kevin garnett just his intensity the way he played the game um the the way he kind of just showed up and you know every everything he did was like a big fuck you right his blocks his dunks his intensity the way he talked i loved 
Kevin Garnett. And he was a walking. Kinda, he was a walking attitude. Yeah, and I just kind of stuck with the Timberwolves uh, since then, and now they've got Anthony Edwards and and um, you know they had they had Cat. So yeah, I mean it's um, it's a weird one, but um, I've always kind of just liked the Timberwolves for that reason, and um, I like it when they when they do well. I can I can I can appreciate that, and I also think you know it's always easy to root for a team that hasn't had a lot of success, right? And what's yeah, the one thing? Yeah. What's the one thing that's kind of consistent with these right now? Well, I mean, I mean, Tampa Bay's had some success, right? But you look and say, like, well, it's very easy to have a soft spot for teams that that don't have success. Um, and speaking of not having success, so I this was this might have been my toughest choice because I had to think. So obviously. Uh, I, I always appreciated the Raptors. Number one, their logo is fan, their old logo is fantastic. Um, Vince Carter was God, man. Vin, anyone who says Vince Carter is not fun to watch is lying. Um, he was fantastic, right? But I'm going to go ahead and say a team that I've always rooted for: um, the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, yeah, that's a good choice. Yep. I think they're a team that I I I respect how beloved they are in that town. I think they're a team that is. Man, they found a niche, a, a little niche inside of Portland, and they've really dug in and, and have a lot of support there. And man, they they've been really good for a while and just have never been able to get over that hump. Um, I was sad to see him lose Damian Lizard. I think it's the best for that team. I think they do need a little bit of a reset right now. But you know, is I think you watch him. It's hard to root against them. I understand that some people would say, ah, you know, they're kind of like an afterthought. They're a mid market team, you know, much like the Cavs. But I I think when you look at them. And you look at their story and their history, uh, obviously, you know, they, they had some good, decent years in the in the 90s. They, and they were down for a while. You look at some of the misses they've had, uh, the Greg Oden failures and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's hard not to feel a little bit of sympathy for him and to want to see him do good. And if you said, hey, Trailblazers are going to win. Not going to mind it at all. I'd root for yeah. it, you know. Yep. And uh, honorable mention uh, to keep up the theme. Um, my other, my previous favorite team was another team that is no longer in existence. Oh, Seattle, yeah. Seattle Supersonics. So, yes. Um, RIP. Uh, bring them yep. back, NBA. Bring them back. Find a way so to get that's, them back. That was the St. Louis Rams and Seattle Supersonics. So, my alternative uh, fan fandom um, has really taken a hit. Oh, you know what? I got to get. Memphis needs to go back to Vancouver, and I will. I yep, will yep, absolutely yep, yep, shift yep. Portland to Vancouver. I will not root for them when they're in Memphis, not because I don't like Memphis, but there's not as fun. Bring back the teal. Bring back the crazy grizzly bear grabbing the basketball. Bring back the uh, indigenous peoples uh, uh, painting uh, trim on the jerseys. That was fantastic. Go back to Vancouver. Bring it all back. Uh, I loved that design because it also fit very well with the Canucks at the time. So yep, go ahead, yep. get back there. Um, Speaking of Vancouver, well, too, we'll just save hockey for less. It's been a big hockey podcast. We'll finish up with hockey. Let's go to baseball because I know baseball. We we have a couple good ones in here. So um, yeah, I'll you, I started off. You started off last two. I'll let me start off this one. Yeah, please. So um, I think we both have a little bit of a soft spot for the Colorado Rockies. So I'm not going to say Colorado. We got yep, a lot of friends yep. out in Colorado. Beautiful stadium to go watch a game. I cannot recommend it enough. Even if they suck or are losing, that view is incredible. I'm going to go ahead and I, I've got two here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say one that I think I will always have a soft spot for and one that is picking up a little bit of late for me um, the past couple of years. I have a lot of my mom's family is from down in southern Ohio. Um, 
I don't actively root for the Reds, but I have a soft spot for the Reds. I don't have a problem. I will always want the Guardians to beat them. I do think the Reds' history is incredible. The Big Red Machine, they're one of the oldest teams in the National uh, League. They're awesome. I think the league is better when the Reds are good. I think the league is better when the Guardians are good. I think both those teams should be relevant at all times. But I'm going to go ahead and say the past couple years, Ever since the Baltimore Orioles brought back the Smiling Bird logo, uh, I'm on board. I'm fucking on board. That logo is adorable. It's incredible. Camden Yards is one of the prettiest baseball parks in all of baseball. Uh, I'm on board with the Baltimore Orioles, and I hate the fact I'm saying that because fuck Baltimore. But that team is so the antithesis of the city of Baltimore. It's they're just fun. They're just fun. And I don't know what it is about them. Um, But those are my two. I'm sure a lot lot of people are going to give me shit for the pick in the Reds because they're a rival in Ohio. But, you know, part of the reason why I have a soft spot for them is because I wanted to be good because the Battle of Ohio games are so fucking fun when they're good. Yep. Mine. um, Mine's kind of a cop out. I mean, I do like the Dodgers a lot. Um, um, a lot of it has to do with Kershaw um, as of recent because I'm a huge Kershaw fan. Um, but uh, my Paps' favorite team uh, of all of them were the Pirates. So um, having a lot of family from Pittsburgh and, and having a lot of roots from Pittsburgh, um, the Pirates are a clear-cut second team for me. Um, but I say clear-cut not only because they're clear-cut above the rest of the teams, but they're clear-cut second uh to the to the guardians um yeah, it, that makes perfect sense it's it it, it yeah you, you were able to you know you get you got your Steelers fandom you got your pens fandom there's no compete there's no competition in cleveland for you know the penguins on the nhl level um you're you got your guardians and then you know yeah it, it makes perfect sense you're able to blend the both the best of both worlds there so a- yeah. absolutely that but i, that I will say uh it is tough to watch Pittsburgh pirates games so well <laughs> you know it's what hard. it's it's been it's been tough for a very very long time, uh, but they have a more recent World Series than the Guardians, so you at least well, you got that going for you. That right? That is true. Yeah, that is true. Um, all right, Joe. Here's the big one for you. Oh man, I, is... I think I know. I think I know the answer, but I'm not going to guess. Oh, what, it. what? 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 No, no, no. What do you think? What do you think the answer okay, is? Okay, so so <sighs> there's a large part of me that wants to say that your second favorite team are the Jackets. However, interesting. However, I know how much of a fan of logos you are. Mm. I know how much of a fan of jerseys you are. I, I am. I have quite a collection. We should. We You've have already, we should topic we need to talk about. Yeah, we already have spoken about this city and the kinship that they have with the Northeast Ohio. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your second favorite team is the Buffalo Sabres. That's a good call. I will very, I will never, very rarely will I ever root against Buffalo. Um, Buffalo is, man, I got, first of all, the go Oh, I missed the, one. The, oh, who, who, who else? Who else? Is Vancouver sneaking in there for you? Or Van, no, Van, no, no. Vancouver, Vancouver's close. I do have a, I do have a soft spot for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, uh, I just love how, how, uh, the, that, those 2010 teams with the Sedins, yeah, yeah. Ryan Kessler, Roberto Longo, yep. those were fun teams. Those were like mean, gritty teams. And that that's uh, Stanley Cup final against Boston in 2011 is is a very, very good final. It is yep. a great, great watch. Um, the, uh, Buffalo, do, Buffalo is absolutely where it's at right now. I will say hockey is the one where I have numerous soft spots. There are teams I will almost always, you know, 
choose obviously again not picking against the sharks but buffalo is absolutely one of them and they're they're probably my number one second team right now um vancouver is certainly up there i do have a soft spot for the winnipeg jets um i i will also i mean there's so many i could i could name here so i will root for columbus against most teams they're an ohio team um my only issue with columbus and obviously they're the 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 NHL NHL equivalent to the Cleveland Monsters, who I go to way too many games for the Monsters. So I there's a lot of player recognition there. So I do root for the Jackets. The toughest part with the Jackets is they they similar to how the Browns in you know I'm gonna say 2015 to 2017, their management has just done a terrible job lately. And I know I'm sure if there's any Blue Jackets fans listening, they're gonna say they're they defend Yarmo like it's their fucking job and. Yarmo's been there for a decade. He's got two playoff runs to show for it. One of them was in the bubble season. He needs to goddamn go. Uh, that they they've just mismanaged the shit out of that franchise. But it's absolutely going to be Buffalo um, yep. right now. Boy, I, it's actually probably easier for me to name the teams I will never root for because there yep. are plenty of I have plenty of soft spots. But um, yeah, Buffalo Buffalo's a good call. Let me let me see if I can guess yours here. Uh, it's obviously going to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, that's oh, actually fucking up. Oh, uh, also shout out. Seattle Kraken. Um, I have really liked what the Kraken have done. Um, that that Winter Classic jersey is fire, by the way. Absolute mm-hmm. dynamite. Vegas, yours sucks. It's trash. It's bad. And you should feel bad. Uh, also, I just fucking don't like you. But thank Seattle. Shout out. Great. Great logo. Great name. Um, they easily could have gone the kitschy you know, crazy over the top logo. I love the subtleties with their S logo. Um, Great logo. Anyway, uh, yours, ah, man. See, I could also say Columbus too for you, mm-hmm. but I feel like I should know this. Um, man, I'm looking through. Arizona's tempting because of their logo. Because, <laughs> uh, man, I would absolutely, and, and if by God, if they were still a team, it would be the Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, it would be the Atlanta Thrashers <laughs> if they were still a team. It wouldn't even be close. You know, oh man, I gotta know it. I, 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 I'm going through this. I'm just glancing. It's no, man. There's so many no's. Could do you have a soft spot for the Leafs? I think. Uh, you know what? No, no. I'm gonna go with no. my original. I'm gonna go with my original hunt. I'm gonna go with Arizona. No, it is actually not Arizona. Although that's a good call. I do like Arizona. Um, I'm tempted to say the Kraken. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. Minnesota Wild. There it is. It's the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, it's 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 the Minnesota Wild. Um, How did I miss that? I, you you're a big Wild. I know you 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 like the jerseys. You like the the logo. Logo arguably one of the the most unique and unique. hidden logos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the the Wild's uniqueness in the logo and the jerseys. I think kind of just uh, got me um, from that fan point. But I just think like Minnesota and how good college hockey is in, in Minnesota and that area. Um, State hockey, baby. I don't, I know. I just like, to me, I've always had a soft spot for Minnesota because I feel like hockey in general is better when the wild are, are contending. And I don't know if it has that much of a, it, it certainly doesn't have as much of a splash as if like the meat, the Leafs and, and, you know, the original six are as good as they are. And then, um, you know, when Canada, Canadian teams are doing well, NHL is doing better. Um, but yeah, something about the wild for me. I've always just kind of liked them. Um, loved me some Kyle Clutterbuck, even though he was a son of a bitch. 
Cal um, Clutterbuck. Yep. Oh, yeah, one Clutterbuck, of the best. Dude. One Matt, of the best names ever. One of the best names. Um, Matt Cook. Uh, Fuck was Matt a piece Cook. of no. shit too. Yeah. Um, but no, I yeah, it's the Minnesota Wild. I don't know why. I think it's just the uniqueness of the logo, um, the city that they're in. That state is hockey crazy. Um, and but I will tell you, I also am a big fan of what the Kraken are doing, and they're they're making a strong push to become um, my second favorite team. But right now, it's 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 still the Wild. I uh, Kraken are super fun. Um, well, really phrase it, they're not as fun this year as they were last year. They're not playing no. as well, but uh, fun logo. They're doing a lot of positive things. They've really done a good job embracing that community. They one of my favorite players in the league. I'm a big Oliver Bjorkstrand fan. Um, he st- he helped the Cleveland Monsters win the Calder Cup in 2016. Then he went to Columbus. They traded him. I'm a big fan of Oliver Bjorks. Also, the name like Bjorkstrand. Fuck yeah, sign me up. But no, good, good pick. Good pick overall. Um, man, we could have an entire podcast talking about fucking teams I hate in hockey, though. Holy cow. Yeah. I'm, like, just, I'm just doing a quick glance, make sure I don't forget anybody. And I'm like, man, uh, uh, fuck the Rangers, fuck the Islanders, fuck the Flyers, fuck the Capitals. Boy, I, do I have an unnatural hatred for the Dallas Stars. There's so many teams I don't like. Uh, yep. Fuck the Kings. And uh, I'm going to say it one more time. Fuck the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I'm not going to say a fuck you, Jason, because you're my partner today. So I'm going to give you good old, good old fuck you, Vegas Golden Knights. I hate go. you and your shitty fans. To be fair, there we go. they're good for the league. I'm glad they're there. Their fans really show up. I just fucking hate them. They're annoying as shit. Yep. Well, this has been good. And, and, and Joe, as they say in Germany, congratulations to the Indiana Fever on winning the Caitlin Clark Lottery. <laughs> And Guten Tag, <laughs> little mommies and daddies. Ah, uh, yes, Guten Tag, Guten Tag, my friend. Bye.